Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBreed podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBree, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer, Enrique Diaz-Alvarez, and Market Analyst, Roman Zuruk. Welcome everyone to our first episode of FX Talk of 2022. We hope you all had a great Christmas, New Year and holiday period. And as we enter into a new year, a great place to start is by looking ahead at what to expect in the FX market in 2022, which will be the focus of today's podcast. 2021 was a, another highly unpredictable year in financial markets. The first half of the year continued to be dominated by the COVID-19 pandemic, namely the speed at which nations around the world rolled out the various vaccines. In the second half of the year, however, attention very much turned back to more conventional drivers of currencies, notably macroeconomics and monetary policy. And the main talking point in recent months has undoubtedly been the recent sharp increase in global inflation, driven largely by an unleashing of pent-up demand and acute supply shortages. Price growth has continued to far exceed expectations of both central bankers and economists, Citibank's G10 Inflation Surprise Index, for instance, rose to a fresh record high in December. And this is providing policymakers with a bit of a headache as we enter into 2022. On the one hand, consumer prices continue to increase sharply, although on the other, the the aggressive spread of the Omicron variant of COVID-19 may present somewhat of a risk to growth, albeit this looks likely to be rather minimal. Indeed, many central banks are already in the middle of a hiking cycle, including the likes of the Bank of England, while others, notably, of course, the Federal Reserve, indicate that higher rates are not too far away. And it's these pending policy changes from these major central banks that we think will be the the key driver of currencies uh, in 2022. Uh, So over to you guys. How do you think central banks will respond to rising inflation this year? And what are your expectations for the major central banks, particularly the likes of course, as a Fed, ECB, and Bank of England. Okay, I mean, first of all, I agree with you that uh, that's going to be the story for financial markets in general and currency markets in particular uh, this year. I think that uh, COVID is finally not going to, it's, it's going to become an endemic manageable problem. I think that we're going to see fewer and fewer lockdowns and, uh, and, and the restrictions on economic activity as, as that becomes more clear. And it's going to be all about how these extraordinarily stimulative settings for both monetary policy and fiscal policy are unwound. Uh, and to what extent the different central banks prioritize uh, the fight against, uh, against inflation, and inflation that increasingly clearly is due to an excess of demand over the over, uh, supply capacities. Um, I think that uh, what we said before Christmas, which is that uh, that the the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England both seem to be uh, considerably ahead of the European Central Bank. Um, the Bank of England has already hiked. The Federal Reserve is, I think, is on course to hike in March, and then perhaps three or even four hikes in the 2022 alone. I think they're both considerably ahead of the European Central Bank. And there's two two stories that I think are going to dominate the year. One is at what point the European Central Bank uh, realizes that uh, the eurozone is not exempt from this global uh, 
uh, excess of demand over supply. Uh, indeed, right now, the uh, European Central Bank is pumping more liquidity into the market than, than the other two combined. Uh, and what that does to the market expectations for European Central Bank hikes, which right now are pushed into 2023 and I think is sustainable, unsustainable. Uh, as and when that happens, we think I think that there's some room for the euro to rally. And that will be the big unknown for for next year, in my view. When do we? When does the European Central Bank realize that uh, its ultra loose posture is untenable in a world of excess demand? Uh, still, we are going to see the focus on the trends that we had uh, in the past year. So, particularly the inflation, but also the COVID. I don't think. I mean. Uh, in the end, it's probably going to be endemic. However, right now we are seeing a significant increase in cases in main uh, countries, in most developed countries, which uh, doesn't necessarily have to lead to a lot of trouble. However, if we look uh, farther beyond, if we look at uh, some countries in Asia, particularly China, uh, this could present some risk considering their approach. And this could uh, translate into an, uh, not a, a downside risk to global growth, I would say, but more of an upside risk to inflation. And even though a, I think a large chunk of inflation in 2021 and probably a large chunk of inflation in 2022 uh, would be due to a, a disruptions uh, still related to the pandemic, not necessarily the, the excess demand. Uh, I think that the central banks would still need to tighten monetary policy and uh, many of them quite aggressively. Uh, in the past year, we have seen uh, many emerging market countries tightening very aggressively. Countries like Russia, certain countries in uh, Central and Eastern Europe, countries in Latin America. And I think that this trend uh, in many emerging market countries is going to continue, but a uh, it would be more broad and include the main countries. In the second half of the year, I think the focus should be on the European Central Bank and move further away from the Federal Reserve, uh, as uh, the US inflation would be likely to come down uh, and the inflation in the Eurozone would probably be uh, quite significant. Uh, and uh, the markets are forward-looking, forward so they would focus on the 2023 uh, at that time, uh, I would think. So, yes, I think that a much larger number of main central banks will start tightening monetary policy um, this year, and the focus would uh, move from the U.S. Uh, to, to our continent, to, to Europe. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, one question I would like to ask the two of you, because uh, it's been... It's been going going around in my head. Is uh, I think that I mean we're generally positive on the outlook, both for the global economy and financial markets, risk assets, uh, emerging market currencies in general. But one potential downside risk that I see increasingly is uh, part of the reason why financial conditions have remained so benign is that even in the face of this this uh, spike in inflation. Bond markets worldwide has taken have taken it in stride. They have become and they, they have been they have been sell offs. Uh, the treasury, the average treasury fund lost on the order of four to five percent in two thousand twenty one, but those are pretty mild losses considering the uh, the extent of the surprise in, in in inflation. One potential downside and is that this this uh, that. Would, would be that the bond markets become more worried about this and we get to a point where central banks, in particular the Federal Reserve, but not only, have to choose between uh, protecting the bond market and pretend it, pre 
and preventing a significant sell-off in the bond market on the one hand, and uh, tightening monetary policy to fight inflation on the other. So they they have to choose between fighting inflation and the potential for a for a for serious uh, bond market turmoil. And we've seen that. Uh, even a partial retreat of the Federal Reserve from from purchases of bonds, uh, this this enormous amount of, of of bonds that they purchased every every month, and now it's is done by not quite half. We've seen a, an extraordinary sell off in the last in the first two days of the year in the bond market in the U.S. So we're really seeing how perhaps part of the reason why the bond market behaved so well last year is because uh, I, in my, by my calculation between the European Central Bank, the Bank of England and the Federal Reserve, they were buying more than $15 billion worth of bonds every single day that the market was open. What's going to happen, happen now that uh, that bid is withdrawn and, and the, market, the bond market is free to find its own level? We could see significant sell-offs there and we could see the central banks faced with this conundrum between continue to withdraw monetary accommodation on the one hand and, and falling bond markets on the other. What do you guys think about that that risk? Yeah, so I think, I think that's um, a pretty good argument in favour of a, a relatively sort of gradual uh, move to normalising policy. I don't think we'll necessarily see uh, particularly aggressive moves that we've seen in these in major economic areas of what we've seen, say, in emerging markets where um, – Central banks there have continued to, to surprise expectations and raise rates at a much more aggressive rate um, than priced in by markets. I think that's very much an argument in favour, certainly as far as the Fed is concerned, um, to to raise rates at a relatively gradual pace. I think, as you said, three or four hikes in 2022 seems reasonable. I certainly don't think that they'll raise rates any more aggressively than that. Um, my, my base case scenario would probably be for three hikes. Um, uh, my view has changed slightly in the last month. I think certainly if we look back when the Omicron news first broke, sort of uh, late late November, early December time, I, I thought that most central banks would err on the side of caution. Um, actually, with the Omicron risk, and we'll talk about this um, in a little while, with Omicron likely to lead to a relatively minimal economic impact, uh, I think the Fed will, will, will be keen to get going and, and start raising interest rates. Um, whether or not that comes in March or May, I think that's going to be the, the key question. Um, uh, as you mentioned, Enrique, uh, that might potentially lead to a slightly more delayed um, timing of the hikes, in my opinion. Uh, I still think that we could see the first hike in May, um, which would probably open the door to, to three rate hikes. Um, this year, uh, which is, I think, is slightly less um, than what the market is currently pricing in. Yeah, I, I think an important question with regards to Fed would maybe not necessarily be whether they would want to start tightening in, in March or May, but what they are going to do in 2023. Because uh, it seems that the market isn't so aggressive as the Fed dot plot would suggest uh, with regards to what will happen next year. And this is actually uh, one of the good arguments in favor of uh, the euro dollar uh, appreciation uh, this year. So when it comes to yields, uh, I I think that a lot of uh, expectations for this year are already reflected in the yields, uh, obviously in the in the short term yields. Uh, with regards to the longer term, I think we would have to have really a significant 
increase in inflation expectations for them to uh, rally significantly uh, or an indication that the rates in the longer term would be higher. And I don't really see a a reason for that uh, at the time. In fact, I think that the U.S. inflation would probably come down. And uh, if anything, I would probably see some risk to the economy, uh, to the downside, not to the upside, uh, at least the U.S., Roman, you seem to be on the, if, if your views are correct, then probably we don't really have to worry so much about the bond market uh, meltdown, because if inflation comes down and growth is, there's some downside risk to growth, then I think that the current prices in the in the bond market for real rates and inflation uh, potentials are roughly in line with reality if your scenarios come true. <laughs> Okay, great. I think we'll move on now and, and talk about our second main topic. And I think as we're talking about uh, what to expect this year, I think it'd be remiss of us to not touch on the potential impact of the ongoing pandemic on financial markets this year. Uh, as alluded to, the impact of the pandemic on markets has undoubtedly decreased in the past few months, particularly now that vaccines have been distributed to the masses. The detection and aggressive spread of the Omicron variant of COVID-19 has, however, triggered a few jitters among market participants. A number of countries, particularly in Europe, have tightened restrictions over the holiday period, which has raised a few concerns over global growth. The likes of Germany and Portugal have introduced post-Christmas curbs, while the Netherlands remains under a fairly strict lockdown. Uh, But there are clear arguments to suggest that this may perhaps be a slight overreaction uh, booster jabs are said to be to provide sufficient protection against serious illness, and the strain itself has triggered much more milder symptoms than many of the previous variants. Markets have, have generally rebounded on the news following an initial sell-off, uh, and focus has turned more towards the impact of Omicron on supply disruption rather than a potential contraction in consumer demand. Uh, but what do you both think? Do you, do you foresee much of an impact from the pandemic on growth? inflation and financial markets in general this year? I mean, myself, as, as I said earlier, I think that the Omicron variant is more contagious, but uh, for the for vaccinated population, at least, this does not seem to be uh, much more dangerous than, than the flu. And I think that that's, um, that's sort of the normal evolution that one would expect in, in this virus, which is to evolve to something that is endemic, that is highly contagious, but... Uh, but not particularly dangerous or deadly for most of its victims, right? Uh, so I do think that a lot of the measures in Europe have been a bit of an overreaction. I think that we'll see less and less of that going forward. I think we we may hope to evolve towards a normality where we get shots, updates of our, of our COVID shots once a year, uh, and we treat it as uh, perhaps... Uh, more, somewhat more dangerous than the flu, but not quite uh, the the uh, the deadly Ill- illness that it seemed to be when it first started. So I, I'm pretty optimistic that this this wave is the last one that will result in significant lockdowns or restrictions to economic activity, and and that's part of the reason why I'm so optimistic, relatively optimistic about financial markets and risk assets in general in 2022. Yeah, I, I think that. Uh, Omicron story will still hold on for a few months, and uh, but if anything, uh, I would say that it's not a big risk to uh, the developed countries, but more for the emerging market ones, uh, particularly those that uh, have not vaccinated their populations, and or perhaps also to those that uh, have used the vaccines that maybe don't offer as much protections uh, as the others. 
Mm, and also, I think that uh, because it is unlikely to cause a significant economic disturbance to the developed countries, it's more of a risk to the upside to inflation than a downside to growth, uh, because we might see a continuing disruption to the supply chains because of that, uh, particularly if uh, we see uh, Omicron spreading in Asia particularly in China. This is something that we have not seen yet. Uh, we have seen some tightened restrictions, even uh, some local lockdowns in China. However, they were not due to Omicron. But I would say that uh, if uh, this, if they are going to keep the zero COVID policy, and if we see Omicron spreading in in country like China, then I would see that uh, it would be a quite significant uh, risk to the upside to inflation. If the freight costs are going to continuously increase and the demand uh, from uh, outside would not significantly deteriorate, then it would uh, bring up uh, more inflation. So uh, I think that we should still be mindful of that. Uh, we should still take it into account, particularly uh, with regards to emerging market countries, but also with regards to uh, potential lockdowns in Asia um, that, that we could see if Omicron starts spreading there uh, significantly. Yes, yeah, so I think we're largely on the same page here. I, I think the, the impact of the pandemic, certainly on FX market this year, will, will be pretty low, um, certainly as far as the, the major economic areas and currencies are concerned. As we mentioned, those strict prolonged lockdowns should be a thing of the past. Yes, of course, Omicron is, is spreading aggressively, but the, the booster jabs seem to be offering good protection and the severity of the illness appears to be significantly lower than the previous strains. And also governments, I think, are, are adopting strategies um, of living with the virus uh, now rather than uh, eliminating it or attempting to eliminate it as they did um, at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so additional curves that we do get this year, I think they'll be likely to be relatively minor. The economic impact limited. Uh, as we mentioned, the impact of Omicron on inflation is probably likely um, to, to be the key for markets this year. Um, I still think that impact is unclear. Um, I see your argument, Roman. I think there is also an argument to suggest that perhaps Omicron could even have a, a dampening impact on inflation, um, given it leads or appears to lead to much uh, lower chance of serious illness. Um, isolation periods have actually been cut, certainly in the UK at least, from 10 days to seven, which could limit or at least reduce the disruption caused to the economy. And, and businesses, of course, are, are adapting more to the disruption and caused by, particularly caused by employees isolating. So, so that could potentially, I think, um, lead to a, a sort of downside uh, drag on inflation. But uh, at this stage, it is very difficult to call, and this will undoubtedly be something that we closely watch uh, in, the, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, we're going to end our podcast with a slightly different segment this week. Uh, as we're looking ahead to the rest of the year, now is a good opportunity for us to come up with our picks for currencies that we think may either out or underperform in 2022. Uh, we're each going to list two currencies, one that I think was well-placed to be among the better performers in 2022, and another that we think could be set to be among the worst performers. Um, I'm going to kick things off with my pick for the currency that I think will outperform this year, and I'm going to go with one that is a little bit left field, uh, and that is the Thai baht. Um, the baht was battered uh, last year, ending around 10% lower versus the US dollar, which has left it at rather cheap levels relative to the country's uh, economic fundamentals. Partly this was a result of the country's heavy reliance on external demand, which I expect to improve considerably this year. 
Um, and we're with Thailand's large current account surplus, high effect reserves. I think the currency is, is well placed um, to outperform and, and post a pretty strong rebound against the US dollar this year. Um, now over to both of you, your pick for your outperformer and a short rationale as to why. Okay, my pick for the outperformer continues to be the Brazilian real. Uh, it's a country, first of all, uh, valuation is is very positive. Is 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 um, both on nominal and real terms is very cheap relative to most of the world. The terms of trade, the Brazilian, the, the relative price of what Brazil sells the world versus what Brazil buys from the world are improving. Uh, rates uh, are very high. Protection from a rate differential is is one of some of the highest I've ever seen with the Brazilian rates above ten percent, which also means that the central bank has almost has already done the heavy lifting or setting the rates in a more realistic uh, level relative to inflation, uh, and the financial fundamentals of the Brazil, both in terms of uh, current account deficits, budget deficits, etc., are improving. So all. Most of the key uh, fundamentals are aligned in a positive way, and that's why I think the Brazilian real is the currency I like the most for 2022. Yeah, um, my currency of choice is uh, one of the CE currencies. I think most of those uh, are set to uh, perform very well in 2022. Um, if I had to choose only one, I'd probably say it would be the Polish Zloty. Uh, the currency has not really performed very well uh, last year, uh, but uh, right now we have some certain things that have changed. For once, we have quite uh, aggressive uh, monetary policy tightening from the National Bank of Poland. Uh, today, the day that we are recording this, so uh, on the 4th of January, the central bank uh, hiked rates by another 50 basis points, and it was the fourth hike. Uh, it's a, a very aggressive uh, cycle looking historically. Uh, we are likely going to see further rate increases in the coming months, and the rates are uh, probably going to end up uh, at least at 3.5%, uh, probably even more. Uh, so uh, this would be quite attractive proposition for investors. Uh, also, uh, I think that uh, we are not going to see a deterioration in current account of a similar scale that we saw last year. Uh, and Zlot is still handled it uh, relatively well. Uh, also, I expect uh, some uh, political, uh, the political situation to be better, uh, particularly uh, with regards to relationship with the European Union. Uh, I expect that Poland uh, will receive the funds uh, that, uh, that, that uh, certain other regional countries have already received, at least the pre-financing funds, uh, such as uh, Czechia uh, or, or Romania. They've already received the pre-financing. Poland uh, has yet to wait for it. Uh, and also, uh, I, I believe that the uh, global sentiment, positive sentiment should work in favor of uh, emerging market currencies and uh, Polish currency uh, is the one that is uh, reacting to this sentiment uh, to a re relatively large extent. So this is my pick for 2022. Excellent. Now on to our underperformers. I think we, we're pretty much all of the opinion that the Turkish lira looks set to be one of the worst performers again this year. I'm sure at least one of you will talk about it yourself. So I'm going to go with, a, a, again, a slightly left-field pick. And I, I don't think this currency will be anywhere near the worst performer this year, but I think it could potentially be set um, for losses against most of its major peers. Uh, and that, for me, is a Swiss franc. Um, the franc appreciated sharply in the final quarter of last year, and it's now trading 
around about the 103 level um, versus the euro. And this, for me, I think is an uncomfortably strong level um, for the Swiss National Bank, which tends to prefer a weaker um, franc in order to improve the country's export competitiveness. Um, I would expect the bank to step in. Um, indeed, recent data has suggested that intervention efforts have been stepped up in recent weeks. I think that intervention will continue in the next uh, coming weeks and months. While also an improvement in the pandemic, I think, should lead to an unwinding in safe haven flows, which is also a negative for the franc. So again, while I don't think it'll be one of the worst performers, I think it could potentially underperform um, in 2022. Um, but what about you guys, your underperformers uh, for 2022? Well, I also, you know, the Turkish lira is the obvious example, so I try to be a little more original. And uh, I, my pick is... is uh, goes uh, off the same theme as yours, I think. The Japanese yen, uh, Japan uh, inflation has in Japan is, is is perhaps the the major economic area where inflation deflation pickup has been more muted uh, in the G10. That's certainly true. Um, uh, increasing rates in the in the U.S. and most Euro's, uh, e- uh, economic and financial areas. As we predict to happen, has traditionally not been a conducive environment for the yen. So I think that uh, perhaps, like you, like the Swiss franc, not not the uh, the worst performing currency of 2022. But I do think that the Japanese yen will have a difficult year next in, in, over the next 12 months. Yeah, I also agree that the Turkish lira is uh, probably the the best pick for the worst performing currency for the 2022. Uh, I don't think that the government solution. Uh, to uh, s- basically cover losses of uh, lira deposit holders uh, will is a viable solution long term. It doesn't address the underlying issues that the economy has. Uh, the currency that I would uh, that I started thinking about recently uh, actually is the one that uh, previously was uh, one of our favorites. So it was Russian ruble. Uh, but right now I'm thinking that uh, maybe it's not really that good of a currency. I mean, obviously it has a, a great fundamentals. Uh, it is uh, it has a great current account. Uh, that and but generally, and it has very high uh, interest rates. Russia has been one of the uh, countries that have tightened monetary policy uh, the most rapidly in 2021. Uh, however, looking at this year, I think that. Uh, there is uh, some uh, likelihood that the tightening process will end. And in fact, they might engage in reversing it at the point when other countries would start to uh, tighten monetary policy or continue to tighten it um, rather aggressively. Also, there is a uh, increased political risk with regards to Russia, uh, particularly considering recent hostile steps towards Ukraine. Uh, and uh, even though I don't think that we are going to have a very open conflict, uh, I, I don't think that the situation will be easily resolved uh, early in the year. So it might drag on with us uh, even for the next few years. And if this is going to be the case, then uh, it would be hard for me to expect the ruble to appreciate significantly. So out of emerging market currencies, uh, I would think that uh, this uh, has become the one that is uh, one of my least favorites. And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. 
and let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening.